So, um, I wonder actually, just as a question, who, I know some of us won't relate to this, <coughs> not looking at Keith. Um, sorry, it's not Barry White this time. We'll talk about Barry White later. I can't believe you don't know who Barry White is. <laughs> um, but who, who here enjoys getting, in fact, maybe for Christmas, somebody got some new clothes. Abigail's not here, but she just got a whole ton of new clothes, and I know she just loves it. But who, who got new clothes for Christmas? Yeah, oh, in fact, anyone, it's another new shirt, liking it, yeah. And, and tell me, how do you feel when you get some new clothes, you put them on for the first time, and, and you like them? Um, how do you feel? Any? Just don't. No, it's okay. It's just... It's all right. Yeah, okay. Smart, okay, yes. You needed Abigail for this bit. Yeah, we did need Abigail for this bit, yeah. I tell you how Abigail feels. Okay, Abigail feels like she's just like the top of the world. She comes out, it's like, you know, you can tell there's a swagger about her and it's kind of. I think it makes you feel good in yourself. Thank you, yes. Finally, yeah. Goodness, okay, I thought. Because you look at yourself and think, oh, well, actually, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. And do you notice also that when then you compare the thing that you're wearing to maybe something you're used to wearing a lot, you think, oh, actually, that looks a bit, I didn't realise that that looks a bit shabby. You know, by comparison. Okay, I'm talking to the wrong crowd here, but um, that was. Um, anyway, that's just a. W- <coughs> dressing gown. And it was lovely. There we go, lovely. Go on. And then I left it at my house, and when I stayed at your house at the weekend, I told Louise I was disappointed that I didn't bring my new dressing gown because I had to wear my old dressing gown. Yeah, okay, so you, you felt better in the new dressing Yeah, okay, good, thank you. Yeah. Finally, somebody's got my sermon illustration <laughs> in advance. Phew, that was hard work. Okay, but um, all right, we'll come back to that in a minute. Okay, so this passage here starts with some strong words. And by the way, just so you know, when you're reading the, these uh, letters that Paul writes at the end of the, well, the sort of second half of the New Testament, these letters that are written to churches, oftentimes the structure is this. He will, the first half of the letter, he'll say, this is what God has done through Jesus, and it's great. And he starts telling you. So if you, for instance, if you go through the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters are all about this, God has done this. God is working these amazing things in you. God has done this, da-da-da-da. And, and then the second half is because of that, now, this is how you live a new life, and it's great, okay? And so the same thing's happening in here in Ephesians. The first three chapters, it's like, God is amazing. He's done this through Jesus. He's done this, 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 da-da-da-da-da. And then from first, uh, chapter 4 onwards, now in the light of that, Paul is saying, this, that's what God's done. This is now how you can live a new life, and it's great. All right? So, so that's the bit of the, of the letter we're in now. But he starts with some strong words here in, um, well, he doesn't really start. He's halfway through his sort of paragraph here but in verse 17 the bit that we read starts with something strong it says so I tell you and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do must no longer must absolutely must now what does that mean to us that meant something to them back then but just again let's see if we can be a little more forthcoming with how it is what does it mean to live like the Gentiles nowadays so it just means that you shouldn't actually be stealing or you shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, looking at your fellow men and thinking, oh, well, you know, no more. Okay. <laughs> and also um, you, shouldn't, um, you shouldn't be having impure thoughts and things like okay. that. Okay. Like so somebody else's wife or husband. 
So you're picking up, yes, you're picking up on some of the things he actually describes later on. Actually, I don't know if you, yeah, those are, yeah, the things he lists, yeah, okay, good. Who are are the Gentiles, who were the Gentiles then? Well, yes, we go on Chris, why why is that? Anyone who isn't Jewish, yeah, okay. And so the Jews had their purity ways and and things that aren't what Wendy just said, and the Gentiles would have just, everything Wendy just said was kind of, (coughs) okay. But how does that work today? Because we're, I'm sitting here, and like as Chris has basically said, us. <laughs> so uh, how does that work with us now? You know, do we see ourselves as Gentiles in that sense, that we're kind of the outsiders, or we the inside? How does that work? Do you know what I mean? And so therefore, do we actually take any notice of this when we read it? Yeah, I think you can identify it. You can identify you can identify, it. identify that the world is not, is, is living in sin. Uh-huh. And we are quite easily able to be sucked into that. Yeah. But we thankfully have the grace of God. Okay. And hopefully the mindfulness to, to you know, not be sucked in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I just think sometimes, because we read this, and particularly if you've been in church for a long time, as I know some of us have been, and maybe if you've grown up in church, I mean, I've grown up in church pretty much. I know Keith um, and... and you know, many of us others have, have grown up and we've never really been Gentiles in that sense. You know, we've always been Christians, God's people. So what is it? Do we need to just skip this bit? You know, does this make, you know, can we just move on? Um, I don't think so. I hope we don't just skip on. But um, it's good to ask the question, how does that apply to us today? Because I think, I think Wendy sort of articulated quite well that what, what the Gentile idea today is... is she listed some of the things, but it goes on to say that the Gentiles are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God. That's an Im- the word there, life of God, is a, is a Greek word, which is zoe. And I don't know why it just inspires me, that word. And it, it t- doesn't just talk about sort of life as in we're just about living, but it really talks about the fullness and the richness of God's life. Like, if you, imagine, if you can imagine God's heartbeat, how powerful that is, and how, what the blood, the lifeblood that would give, that's the life of God. He's, and, and he's saying, well, the Gentiles are alienated from that. They're, they're, they're separated from that. Because they have ignorance in their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity to God. And they've given themselves over to sensuality and some of the things that uh, Wendy talked about. So they indulge in all kinds of impurity. And so you would sort of say today that the world we live in, the culture we live in, is very much like that, would you not? So that we live in a Gentile environment. And, um, and so the letter here is urging us, do not live like the way the world lives around us in, in those kind of aspects. Um, this is not the way you've learned Christ, he says in verse 20. But I want to just sort of expand that a little bit further because sometimes people think of Christianity as this kind of set of things that you must not do. You must not do this, you must not do that. In fact, Wendy listed them. And the reason why she listed them, because they're, they're there. And so they're, they're written down. Um, so Christianity is a bit like this. Don't do this, but do do this. Don't do the bad things, do the good things. And then you'll be a good person. And I hear that a lot, and that people say they don't feel as though they can come to church because they're not good enough. And I think to myself, well, the whole reason we come to church and the reason why we, we break bread together is because we know we aren't good enough and God forgives us and that's the whole point. But anyway, that's because their hearts and their minds are darkened, all right? So that's how that works. But we need to make sure that we don't get into the habit of thinking that Christianity is just kind of saying, don't do this and do do that. 
Okay? There's, there's a different way of Jesus. There's the life of God. That life of, Jesus, of God is to put off the old and put on the new. It's a renewing process. It's an ongoing new creation process. So it's not just taking off the old. Now, here's the thing, because I think people will say Christianity could be like this. It could be just don't do. There's a whole load of don't do's. And in Jesus' time, the Pharisees were great at saying, don't do. Okay? But it's rather, that would be rather like just taking off the old and not putting on the new. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not as smart as I would normally be. Because obviously I'm really sharp normally. But this is a relatively, thanks, Rich. Uh, this is a relatively old t shirt. Now, Christianity, fortunately, my, my wife made sure that I had something else underneath this. Um, <coughs> Christianity isn't just about taking off the old. You know, just a whole load of kind of just don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because that is a very, um, leads to a very miserable life. If all you're told, you know, imagine like your parents, don't do this, don't they? You probably feel that this is what life's like, you know? Yes, teenagers are nodding here like, that's all dad says. But if our lives were just don't do, don't do, don't do, life becomes very miserable. And you can then understand why even if the old way wasn't great, you might think, well, this is miserable. It's, it's just full of rules. It's soulless. It's, there's very little appeal in that way of life. I'm just going to go back to the old way. And you think to yourself, I can understand that. Because the new way wasn't much of a new way. It was just saying, just don't live like the old way. Right? Christianity is not like that. But oftentimes it can be portrayed like that. Alright? Okay. And it's not also... You'll be pleased to know, I have something smarter to wear. It is not just a case of saying... And again, this is a misconception of Christianity. Of saying, right, I'm going to do some good things. So I'm going to do enough good things to cover up my bad things and I will be a good person. So we put on the new, or we try, and put on the new. And first of all, it doesn't fit so well because it's a bit tight in the first place. And we try and live a new life and put the new over the old. But sooner or later, one way or another, the old still starts to creep through and it doesn't work that way because just the old is still there yeah and it just doesn't work and so it doesn't matter how hard we try and you know this you can't cover up the bad stuff by just doing good stuff and but again the misconception of christianity is that you have to be a good person and if you're good enough you'll be good enough and then all the bad stuff will be counterbalanced you know that doesn't work. So, what does the Bible say? It says, take off the old. Here we go. Take off the old and put on the new. And so that is a choice. Because actually, <laughs> I like this... Can tell you, there's a whole story about this T-shirt. All right, I won't go into it now. 
But I like this T-shirt. I've always liked this T-shirt. Um, and there's something about the old that we like to hang on to, even if it's not good for us. But the Bible says, take off the old and then put on the new. So it's not about don't do this or do do that. It's, it's, it's much better than that, actually. That's too simplistic. That's too simplistic to say, oh, I'm, I'm a good person um, because I do these things. It's not like that. It's actually to say, Jesus says, there's a new life for you. There's a new way, and it is better than the old way. And once you get into the new way, there's no way you'd want to actually start living like the old way because you realise how rotten that is. So Jesus takes our lives, and you've heard the word, born again. That is, to be born again is to leave the old behind and to become living in the new. The reason why we, we practice baptism the way we do when people come to faith and is because in baptism we say the old has gone, the old has died, and new life has been reborn. And if you haven't been baptised, by the way, then... I recommend it <laughs> because uh, we have a. If you don't know where Joe's sitting here and Wendy, there's a there's a pool here, and and we we will baptize people uh, fully, immerse them in the water, saying that the old has gone and the new has come. And our whole lives take on this baptized experience, and we are moving from darkness to light. Uh, Rose, you said in that time earlier, you said, "I thank you that I was in." Darkness, I think you said, and now I'm in light. That is uh, a testimony of God is changing Rose from one thing to another. And who wants to go back into the darkness when you're in the living in the light? Right? But if you just then, if all you just said was leave the darkness behind, actually the darkness can be quite comforting if you're just left with nothing else, if that makes sense. So until you say, I need, you have to have the light. <coughs> To want to move away from the darkness. Does that make sense? So it's a dynamic transformation. And it's not just something we just talk about and say, yeah, okay, yeah, I've been baptized and I know I'm a new creation. But actually, I don't know really if I can define that in any way, but I just know it is. This is tangible, it's discernible. It works in our lives. There is signs and there is proof of the resurrection of God at work in our lives every day. So if you look at your lives, you will see your speech being transformed. You will see your thinking being transformed. You will see your attitudes being transformed. You will see the things that you do being transformed because Jesus is at work and taking off the old and putting on the new. And so when we become Christians, the thing is, I don't know if you've noticed, you become a Christian, you don't stop talking. Right? Our voices still work. When you become a Christian, you don't stop thinking, do you? You still think. When you become a Christian, you don't stop doing stuff. Okay? All those things happen, but what Jesus does is he takes those things and he transforms them. All we have to do is cooperate by taking off the old and putting on the new. And so if you look at the passage we just read here in verse 23, it says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Interestingly, as I mentioned Romans, I hadn't thought to connect this, but the beginning of that section that I said where it's at the beginning of Romans 12, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I've heard it said a number of times that Christianity starts in your head. 
not the necessarily intellectual thing, but it's the renewing and the transforming of our thinking and our minds that actually starts to change our lives for the better. And so, as we grow in Christ, and as we live in the Spirit, He will bring about changes and transformations that start in our minds that then that, that, that pan out into the rest of the way we live. So, if you look at at these these verses, and, and Wendy's actually, I don't know, you didn't d- deliberately do this, but you're actually mentioning some of the things we just uh, looked at. But if you go through here, you will see how Paul is saying. Um, This is how you change when you come to Christ. So in verse 25, it's talking about the way we speak. He says, put off falsehood. Stop speaking lies. Stop speaking nonsense and untruths. We live in a world full of false, fake news, don't we? Yeah? And it's very easy to get sucked into that. He's saying, don't do that. He says, put on, speak truthfully to one another. There is somewhere else he says, speak the truth in love. (laughs) So there's a way of doing that. But, but be honest. <coughs> be honest about what is going on in your life. And sometimes that means just being honest that things are hard. Sometimes, uh, one of the things that we really get into in, our fo- in the way of false living is just sort of saying, you know, how are you doing, Daniel? And he'll go, oh, I'm fine. And he's not. <laughs> so there's a falsehood straight in itself. Now, sometimes you haven't got the time, you know, it, to sort of go into everything. But, you know, it's okay to say when things aren't so good. But it's also okay to say when things aren't really good. And I think we live sometimes in a false world where we just anesthetized to the life of God. In verse 28, it's talking about our actions. Um, it says, stop stealing um, and, and gaining for yourself effectively and work to do something useful, to gain something so you can share with others. I mean, I love... I don't suppose there's many people here that are thieves. You don't have to put your hand up and say, no, that's actually me. I will we'll confess that later. Reg, you're nodding there. But, uh, no, no, no. Um, but, but I love that the attitude is, it's, you know, Jesus always goes further than we think. But actually, so work and do something useful. Why? Not just for yourself, but then you might have something that, to share with others. So there's a whole trajectory where we're going from an old way to a new way of thinking because our culture will just say we'll work and then you, you get yourself a nice house and a nice car and a nice comfy pension and you're good and maybe you might look after your family but that's about as far as it goes but he's saying here no Jesus says gain so that you can share with others in verse 29 again it's talking about speech he says get rid of unwholesome talk you know stuff there's a lot of unwholesome talk that goes on in our world but speak in a way that builds others up according to their needs. I'm just shocked by the amount of stuff that people have to put up with when people speak, are speaking to one another in, in just such derogatory ways. Um, I'm shocked the amount of stuff that just goes, again, in our world around us, that social media, how people just get into these arguments with people they don't even know on Facebook or Twitter or something, and they're being so rude. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Goodness. And then it sort of plays out in sort of face-to-face encounters as well. But <coughs> Jesus takes the old off and puts on the new, and the new is to speak that builds people up. Encourage people. Say something that will, that will do that person some good rather than run them down. Um, 
It carries on. There's in verses 31 and 32, talks about um, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander and malice. There's a kind of an a whole attitude there. You know, attitude is a, is a word that, again, sort of sums up a, our generation or our c- culture. But instead of those things, put on kindness, put on compassion, put on forgiveness. Um, I could go on. There's, um, there's a whole lot that carries on into chapter 5. Um, of don't speak in obscene and f- with obscene and foolish talk, but give, speak in a way that gives thanksgiving. Um, don't give yourself to foolishness, but give yourself to wisdom. Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, like Sheila said last week about the, the gifts that, that, that God gives, this isn't just an exhaustive list. You know, there are many of these things that challenge us today, but there are many other things that you would call ways of the Gentiles that you may be able to sort of think for yourself in this age. You know, um, we live in an age of continual activity, don't we? Everything's 24-7. And I think Jesus would say, put off the busyness and put on rest. Um, Learn that, that we live in a... We live in a world that is um, obsessed with outward beauty, you know, and how you look. <laughs> Do you like my shirt? It's nice. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, whether I was wearing this shirt or that T-shirt, at the end of the day, what matters is inside, right? But the world we live in doesn't think like that, but we need to put that on because that is the Christ-like way. And we need to maybe consider what are the Gentile ways today that, that we can get sucked into the ways of our culture that Jesus says look there's a much better way I'm not just saying don't do that stuff I'm not just saying do something good I'm saying there's a whole way of life that is the life of God the Zoe of God because we're created to be like God and to live in righteousness and holiness and that's not a boring thing that's a great and exciting and life giving thing so I'd ask you today just what are the ways of the Gentiles that that you need to put off. What the Gentiles of this age I'm talking about, what needs to be put off and how does God's dynamic power want to work in you so that you can take off the old and put on the new and live in a way that is greater and freer and more exciting and more, just more joyous. What is it of Christ we need to put on? And ask for his grace. Because if I'm honest, there are temptations to go back to the old ways. Sometimes the old t-shirt just feels comfortable. And regardless of how we look in it, we just want to put it on. But we need his grace. So, and we don't, we don't stop thinking or, or doing or saying, do we? But, but Jesus takes these things and he transforms them. And renews them. And all we need to do is cooperate by putting off the old and putting on the new. So we're going to pray now. And let's just ask God, just how do you want to change? Because this, again, is sort of a new year type thing, you know. There's just so much that God wants to do in our lives to bring a fuller, greater, more exciting life in God. And it, it does involve getting rid of the old and putting on the new. But let's just ask, maybe God would just highlight some things that we, we might need to take off and, and things that we know to, need to put on in him. So we pray now, come Holy Spirit, and just speak to us 
And I want to pray, first of all, for, for where we struggle to put off the old. Where there are things that are highlighted through these verses that we struggle because we actually enjoy. We enjoy gossiping about other people. It makes us feel good in some perverse way. We enjoy uh, slander or, or greed or lust. Give us grace to say, I want to put those things off. And not just put them off, but I want to live in a new way. So the greed turns into something where we want to share. And lust turns into love. And that you renew us. And that we would have joy and delight in wearing the new clothes that we've got. Wearing the new life that we have. Wearing the the baptismal life that you've given us. And so I pray, come Holy Spirit, and, and open our hearts to know how you want to change us. And that we will be able to say more and more, yes, I was now once in darkness, but now I'm in light. I have been transformed. My speaking is different now. I speak in a way that affirms and builds up rather than tears down. I act in a way that is generous towards others rather than is selfish. I think in a way that is, is beautiful rather than corrupt. Bring those things in us that we may become more like you and live in this great, full life that we have in the life of God. And I pray now, may you, the King's Church, enter more into that dynamic, transforming life of God. Off with the old and on with the new. In Jesus' name. Amen.